0: The great outdoors is a place of enjoyment, peace, and solitude. But at times, the outdoors experience goes dark. Increasingly, outdoors lovers are encountering criminal elements, psychos, dangerous wildlife, and strange weather occurrences. Our goal is to raise awareness by equipping you with cutting-edge information and to shine light into the dark outdoors welcome to dark outdoors this is chester moore scott never dreamed he was about to encounter a life-threatening situation when he hit the woods in jackson county georgia january the 15th 2023 scott used only his first name in media because of the trauma of his situation but he wanted others to know what happened to him so they could be prepared if they encounter the same very dark outdoors situation in a report at Georgia Outdoor News, he said, quote, Once the gun season closed, I wanted to move a few of my stands to tweak everything for the next season, the 61-year-old said. I rode my four-wheeler in, and I took a ladder stand down. It was light, so I decided to just drag it by hand about 150 yards to where I was going to put it up. Suddenly, three large dogs appeared, and they apparently had been attracted to the noise I was making in the woods all three dogs were mixed two of them with pit bull and the third one with german shepherd quote one of them attacked me and when it did it triggered the other two and they joined in they were attacking me from all sides i was trying to keep them away from the inside of my legs where the femoral arteries are and away from my neck i had nothing with me to fend them off i was desperately grabbing sticks to hit them but the sticks were decayed and kept falling apart They kept attacking me for what seemed like 15 minutes. I was physically and mentally exhausted. I was trying to figure out what to do. I considered falling on the ground and rolling up in a ball and playing dead like you're supposed to do with bears. I considered screaming for help, but I knew no one would hear me. My four-wheeler and my cell phone were 150 yards away. I knew I could never make it that far. And then he remembered that there was a tree stand nearby on adjoining property. He found a good stick and was able to keep the dogs at a distance until he could get to that stand and climb up. Here's where it gets even scarier, in my opinion. In the story, it says in the stand, Scott was able to catch his breath, get his heart rate down, and take the first good look at his wounds, and he knew he was in bad shape. He said, quote, I sat in the stand for 30 minutes after the dogs left. When I got down, they heard the rustling of the leaves under my boots, and they came running back in. Scott rushed back up into the tree, waited another 30 minutes after the dogs left. This time, he purposely made a lot of noise to see if the dogs would come back, and they did not. He said, quote, I found a good stick and quietly tiptoed to a fence line It was about 60 yards away. I climbed over the fence and then hiked about a half mile through a cow pasture out to the highway. I stood in the middle of the road, waving my arms, and people were driving around me, he said. I knew I looked like hell, but dang, a couple of guys all alone in a pickup truck drove around me. You'd think they could have stopped at a distance, rolled down the window, and asked if I needed help. It was obvious I needed medical attention. Finally, I decided someone was going to have to stop or run over me. A family on their way to church finally stopped. I told them what happened and told them I needed to get to an emergency room. Scott got in the car with them, and they took him to a nearby friend's home, and they took him to the emergency room in Brazelton. Scott is obviously very rattled by the incident and also got a little bit of judge were actually identified as someone on an adjoining property. Those dogs were captured, quarantined for 10 days, and found to be rabies-free, which makes it almost even scarier. The reason I want to do this episode of Dark Outdoors is because I have encountered feral dogs on several occasions in the wild and on one particular occasion I didn't think I was going to make it out. Feral dogs are a rising problem not only in the wilds of America but globally. Just a day before I recorded this a little boy was killed by feral dogs in India where there is a massive problem of dogs running the countryside. Yes dogs can be man's best friend. But in this episode, we're going to talk about how dogs can also be our worst nightmare in the wild. In increasing numbers, people across North America are going missing in the wild. Dark Outdoors is committed to shining light on this topic and raising awareness when public interest in these cases fades away. Marta Renee Brown, age 60, of Durham, North Carolina, has been missing from the Appalachian Trail in Connecticut since May the 3rd. 2023 the environmental conservation police and connecticut state police are searching for her near the town of kent the missing female again is 60 years old has a slender build approximately five feet seven with shoulder length salt and pepper hair she was last seen wearing a maroon puffer style jacket and gray sweatpants She was hiking with two friends and they stopped to stay at one of the lean-to structures set up for hikers and they woke up between 7 and 8 a.m. She was missing. If you have any information on Marta Renee Bowen, call 860-626-7900. That's 860-626-7900. Growing up, I never heard the term feral dog. It was always wild dog. Of course, when you're dealing with feral hogs, we know that the essence of that is a hog that at some point was domestic, went out into the wild, and not only became wild in terms of its appearance, but also its behavior. And the same thing will definitely happen, especially with the behavior part of dogs. My dad told a story many, many times of him and his friend Vic went to the port of orange area and there was a dump a public dump at the time they went one evening to dump some stuff when they got done they're pretty good ways from the vehicle and a bunch of dogs he said there's probably eight or ten of them medium to large came charging out of the bushes and they had no gun no weapon nothing they took off running And they thought, you know, hopefully these dogs are just going to kind of bluff charge us. These dogs kept going and going and going. And there was a stick laying on the edge of the road. And my dad grabbed that stick and turned around as fate would have it. He hit the lead dog right in the head. And the dog stopped. And they walked back into the bushes. And it was almost a deja vu moment for me. Because like 35 years later, I found myself on my deer lease in Newton County, Texas. I was coming through on my four-wheeler at a distant gate on the deer lease that goes into a county road. Because I wanted to go scout a particular area. I found it had been open. A hunter had left this one area of the lease. And I wanted to see if it might be an area I could put my second stand in, my bow stand in. So I was going through the gate, locking the gate back. And I turn around because I heard something popping in the brush. And out of the brush, at about 40 yards, comes a white pit bull. And it is snarling. It is going right at me, full bore. I had no doubt in my mind that if this dog got a hold of me, it was going to kill me. Even before dark outdoors, the podcast, I prayed, prepared, and packed heat, and I had a 45 on me. It was an automatic 45, an old German May that I carried. And I took that thing out and I fired. At this point, the dog was about 25 yards and the shot hit right in front of the dog. The dog stopped and I'm about to put another round and he tried to kill the dog and my gun had jammed. Luckily, maybe this is the prayer part kicks in, the dog walked back over into the bushes and I'm sitting there with a jammed firearm. So I'm shaking, I'm thinking, oh my God, what's gonna go on? So I quickly unlocked the gate, drove back through, and went the other direction. Then I called the man who ran the deer lease, the deer lease manager, and told him about what had happened. And he said, um, the previous bow season, a hunter on the lease was walking to his stand bow hunting on an evening hunt, and a pit bull came running out of the woods charging him He had to climb up a tree in a really awkward position and couldn't get to where he could take a shot. And the dog sat under the tree, growling at him for over three hours before it retreated. Very similar to the story we told at the beginning of the program where the dog stayed nearby and they heard the guy leaving and came back. Now, there's probably someone listening right now going, you're picking on pit bulls. Give me a break, okay? It's just a fact that as a large, very potentially dangerous breed that is common, and they are very common in the woods of the South, and here is why. Because they're used as catch dogs for hog hunting, and there are some people, they're very unethical. There's not a lot of them, but I know for a fact this happens. I've interviewed people who told me that their family had done this before, when their old catch dog wasn't working out anymore, they'd throw it out on a dump road or hopefully someone would adopt it. And of course, some of these animals go feral. It's not pit bulls, just only of course. It's all kind of breeds, everything from beagles to, you know, mastiffs and, you know, German shepherd mixes and huskies and pit bulls and whatever. But I happen to run into a pit bull. And I have to ask you this question. Would you rather have a feral pit bull coming after you? or a schnauzer, a miniature schnauzer. I'll take the schnauzer, okay? So any large breed dog can be very, very, very dangerous. I'm not picking on any particular breed. I'm also not gonna be politically incorrect and try to tell you that, um, you no, know, these dogs aren't potentially dangerous, because they are, it's a fact. But we find that people are letting some of these dogs go, and as the economy starts tanking, people are letting all kinds of dogs go, And it is creating an even more dangerous situation in the wild. I think the dogs in the wild issue is something I'm going to spend multiple episodes on over a course of several seasons for several different reasons. And it's not just attacks on humans in terms of you know someone let a dog out or whatever but it's also the fact that dogs can spark attacks from animals we'll talk about that in another episode but Here I am having to go around and find there's another pit bull situation on the particular lease. But that wasn't my only feral dog encounter. Me and my friend, my good friend, Kenny Pig, were examining a property that he owned in Jasper County, looking at a beaver dam on a pond. And we were probably 50 yards from a truck when a pack of dogs came running out of the woods. We saw them probably 50 yards away. Kenny looks and goes, I don't know if they're going to come at us or whatever. And I kind of looked at the dogs. They were walking out and they just bolted. And of course, I beat, I'm quite a bit younger. I beat Kenny to the vehicle. <laughs> he always tells the story that I left him high and dry. I didn't have a gun on me at the time. The gun we had was actually in the vehicle. And these were just a mix of all kind of dogs. It was just, once again, kind of like my dad encountered. Uh, medium to a little bit larger dog. But there was probably eight or nine of these dogs. And they were very aggressive. As once we got in the truck, they lost interest. But what if we were a kid fishing that pond? Or what if we had been in that pond alone and I didn't bring a gun? And we had no vehicle to retreat to. You know, I'm just one guy and I find myself in dark outdoor situations a lot because I'm in the outdoors all over the place a lot. And my job is to raise awareness to some of these things. And uh, these are very, very intense situations happening with dogs. And once again, it's a situation people get really upset. Oh, my God, I can't believe you're saying this about dogs. Well, first off, don't let your dog loose in the wild. Um, better to take it to a kill shelter than to let it loose in the wild because many dogs are going to starve to death. They're going to get manes. They're going to get heartworms killed by an animal, ran over. And if they survive, they're going to pack up with other dogs pose a huge risk to wildlife. I just did an investigative story about bighorn sheep predation, and there are major issues in some areas with feral dogs. Feral dogs kill deer, feral dogs kill livestock, and sometimes feral dogs attack and kill human beings. Pray, prepare, and pack heat. It's time for some dark outdoors defense strategies and techniques. Best form of defense against a dog is, of course, a handgun. It's not always uh, legal in certain jurisdictions. Uh, for example, you may be in some kind of suburban forest or uh, park area jogging or walking with your family. And also, sometimes it may be just good to have something else on you. Maybe you drop your gun in the struggle. There are ultrasonic dog repelling devices. And the idea of this is these devices emit a super high-pitched sound that is almost inaudible by humans, but drives dogs absolutely crazy. Repels them, hurts them. There's been some pretty interesting tests that I've seen. Uh, and you think about this, there are people who have devices like this. If the dog barks, it turns on. There are various kinds of devices and several you have to actually point at the dog. Other you just kind of hit an emergency button. I don't want to endorse one particular one because I currently do not have one of these, but have been told by several people that they are effective. In our dark outdoors defense segment, we want to give a well-rounded look at ways to defend yourself in the wild, from psychos, from psycho dogs, or whatever. And it might not always be convenient or even possible to put a 9 millimeter slug in the head of the dog attacking you maybe you can avoid a situation like that with one of these high pitch frequency emitters these ultrasonic dog repellers you know search them out different place you can search these things out look at them online figure out what's good for you but if you run into an area where you see a lot of feral dog activity or even think it's possible. Maybe a great thing to keep on a kid if they go out into park areas all the time. Certainly not going to, you know, hand the uh, 14-year-old, you know, your Glock to bring into the park. And of course, um, honestly, these days it's probably not real good to let the kid go to the park by themselves anyway. Too many psychos and predators. I'm not even talking about wild dogs or whatever. I'm talking about humans. But think about this. It could add to your Repertoire of defense, an ultrasonic dog repellent using high frequency sounds that really hurt a dog's ears. It could save your life. This year has unfortunately been sort of littered with stories of packs of dogs killing people. Just a couple of weeks ago, right before I started working on putting together some information for this broadcast, a man was killed in Rockport, Texas by a pack of dogs, and the sheriff's department approached the dogs. They charged at him, he shot at one of them, and it's been a really wild, kind of bizarre situation. Some people were arrested in it, but another one, and this happened April the 12th, 2023 in Kentucky. A Kentucky woman had died after a pack of dogs attacked her in a rural area. Um, it was a really, really horrible, horrible situation. Since I oversee several outdoors social media properties, including Texas Fishing Game Magazine, I thought I would put some feelers out to see what other people have experienced. I'm going to share just some quick notes others have uh, posted about their encounters with feral dogs. Uh, Taylor Romero said, Had a pack in East Texas get after me while walking to a spot at 4.30 a.m. Very intense moment and a reminder to always have my sidearm with me in the woods. Um, Another one, which I thought was uh, really interesting, said, I had a pack come up to me a couple of years ago while turkey hunting in a very secluded section of National Forest in Alabama. Thought I was going to have to shoot them. And this is an interesting thing. It's not just that these dogs are in locations like around cities. There are emerging feral dog populations in super remote areas of forests, including apparently National Forest in Alabama. Andy Scott said had a big German Shepherd stalk me as I was walking back to my truck after an evening bow hunt. I was on a trail and he was in the brush about 10 yards from me. When I would walk, it would walk. When I would stop, it would stop. We finally made eye contact during a stop and I growled and screamed like an Indian warrior and it ran off. And it seems sometimes that just bluffing these animals uh will get them to turn, but sometimes that doesn't necessarily work. These tales are real, these tales are frightening, and they're increasing. And sort of uh, put an exclamation point on this. I contacted my good friend Jerry Mills of Wolf Tejas, who has his own really frightening story and a unique insight into pack structure of canids. You know, um, I just have such cool friends in the outdoors and the animal world and um, people have such a great wealth of knowledge, and that's to me very, very important. I don't just like to get anyone on. I want people that have a really cool experience or a dangerous experience they can share. Our people can also expound on that, and the guy right now can expound on canid behavior as well as anyone I know. My good friend Jerry Mills of Wolf Tejas, and uh, Jerry messaged me and said that he had a pretty intense situation with him and a couple of, I guess maybe a friend and some feral dogs. That's right. Yes, sir. So kind of give me the layout of what happened. Where were you guys at the general kind of area? And uh, when did you first notice the dogs?
1: Okay. Well, I had no prior knowledge of the dogs. My buddy did. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course they had never aggressed, but uh, he had been watching them because they had packed up. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, these are feral dogs. They've uh, gone back to their uh, wild, predatory nature to mm-hmm. have to hunt to eat. Mm-hmm. And uh, these were several, These were just a mixed breed of dogs. There was um, a couple of uh, might have been hog dogs. I don't know. But uh, yeah. they were certainly like a plot-type looking hound mm-hmm. and some assorted-sized other dogs. And uh, I'm sure at some point in time they were all somebody's pets. But uh, some dogs can uh revert to the wild and make it, and some and some can't, but yeah. irregardless, all of them that's out there, they're hungry, yeah, and uh what makes the big issue mainly is that these domestic dogs have no fear of man,, mm-hmm. and uh what little fear they did have or respect you might say they lost when they were abandoned and had to survive on their own sure. well we're we're out off a of highway twelve on um just a little east of mauriceville on the north side of the road mm-hmm. uh, and we were going to deer hunt mike knew a guy that had a piece of property back there and we were allowed to go out there and deer hunt so we parked the trucks and off we went And when we got up through this field into the edge of the woods there's a big gully we went down in this gully and when we stepped into that gully i heard something mm-hmm. well i stopped and mike stopped He looked at me and I looked towards the noise. And then in a little while, just maybe 15, 20 seconds later, we hear some more noise on the other side. And then they're growling. And these dogs have got on both sides of us. And, uh, they just kept getting closer and closer. We hollered at them. They wouldn't run. We threw stuff at them. They wouldn't run. And then the boldest one started moving right on in. And Mm -hmm. if we hadn't had a, if we hadn't had a gun, we'd have been in a bad, bad way, uh, it don't generally one or two will grab and then the rest of them all pile on.
0: Yeah. So that's kind of a recurring theme I've seen Jerry in different people's reports that um like one dog ran in and got aggressive and then the other was followed. And my dad had a situation years ago where, one in the head with a stick throwing it at him, the lead dog, and they backed off. It was like they're following, guess, that pack structure. is uh, That
1: is a type of pack structure, for sure. You're right. So,
0: yeah, so that's really interesting to me because they're reverting back to what, you know, going way back, you know, thousands of years ago. But you guys actually had to kill a couple of these dogs.
1: Yes, we ended up having to shoot two of them before. The Mm -hmm. first one we shot, we thought the rest of them would run off, but they didn't. Wow. They wow. never slowed down. They never slowed down. If nothing else, they got madder. Hmm. And but when that second one hit, uh that was the two mainest dogs and the rest of them split.
0: Man, and, you think about that if you were some uh you know single mom out there hiking with her kids or out picking blackberries
1: or something. That's a big blackberry picking spot on the edge of that field.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think this goes back to people just I said it earlier, I'd rather you take your dog to a kill shelter than to dump it in the woods.
1: That's cruel. I mean, it's very cruel. Yeah. They starve a long, right? slow death.
0: That's right. Yep. And they might cause people other problems. Well, Jerry, you're very well known for your work with wolf dogs and wolf dog sanctuaries, not only in Texas, but around the nation. And can you just tell me a little bit about some of the general pack structure of canids and like, how that would translate to dogs that go feral in terms of what, what you see if someone does, maybe they're hiking and they don't have that weapon. And you yeah, a well, pack approaching, you know, some of the things to go through.
1: Uh, as far as that goes, uh, a pack, they're going to follow a leader. It mm-hmm. may not necessarily be the biggest dog or the meanest dog there, mm-hmm. but they're going to follow a leader. And uh, amazingly enough, uh, a lot of people don't know, but um at least half of the wolf packs are led by females. Wow, and they are and they're gonna follow the follow the best leader mm-hmm. uh, and of course, sometimes a pack of stray dogs don't have a real good leader to pick from, but they're going to pick the best mm-hmm. one they have, yeah. and they're but the packs that make it and survive uh they do have good pack structure and they do work together and they do cooperate with each other. We had a couple of wild dogs that lived out there in Motiva and we watched them hunt for years and they would chase a, they would, one would go get on one side of a culvert and stand on top of it. And the other one would chase a rabbit underneath it and go in after it. And that may be a hundred foot culvert, but when that rabbit comes out the other side, there's that dog. And they that is the way they hunted. The same dog always stood on the end and the other dog same dog always chased the rabbit through. Well you and,
0: mentioned being encircled kind of by the dogs, that they actually kind of surrounded you guys.
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They learned to hunt. Mm-hmm. They had been hunting. This was, we were just the biggest meal they thought they was fixing to get. And you brought and, up something,
0: uh, the fact that these are not necessarily um you know these are feral like i I tell people think of a feral hog feral dog just replace the d you know the h with a d and uh you have a similar type situation but these animals like you said generally speaking you know canis familiaris doesn't fear humans that's right Mm
1: -hmm. that's
0: right and 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 the the odd thing about it is you can
1: take one of those feral dogs if you happen to catch it and take it home Mm -hmm. and put it in a pen and you can make friends with them and feed them and eventually they will most of the time go back to being a pet again. Of course, Mm. you kind of always look at them sideways, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) you never know, but nonetheless, you know, it's, it's a learned behavior and it's a behavior out of necessity. It's not a hardwired behavior like wolves or wild canes, coyotes, wolves, jackals, whatever that's Mm -hmm. hardwired. That'll never come out of them. Mm -hmm. But these dogs, it was a learned behavior and they still had enough trace remnants of their uh, ancient culture to uh, reassume that behavior.
0: That's interesting about the hardwired part. I want want to dive into that just a little bit. Um, So you mentioned this is going back and reverting to kind of what they can grasp for in their natural way back DNA encoded behavior to survive. But there, there have been wolf attacks. There are very few. There have been coyote attacks. There are a few. But also in those animals right there, they're hardwired to stay away from people.
1: Well, they've learned, they've learned, and it has become innate and hardwired. Yeah. Uh, at one point in time, when people first showed up, or if wolves that have, or coyotes or anything else that has never encountered man ever, yep. they're not scared of Yeah. They come right on up to you and check you out like, who are you, dude? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you sit still, they've, they've been known to come up and sniff their pants legs and then satisfy their curiosity and off down the road they went. Yep. But uh, due to the nature of man versus beast, wolves and coyotes in particular have been hunted as to extinction. They were completely extrapolated, the wolves, from the southern contingency of the United States. Mm-hmm. Coyotes, uh, coyotes will live under your house for years, and you'll never know they're there. Wolves will not. They yeah. will not come anywhere. The mm-hmm. puppies that I have, the parents are as friendly and nice as they come. They were mm. bottle fed, these puppies, they have to be bottle fed to imprint on people. Otherwise, yep. they're scared of they're scared of me.
0: Yep. But and, uh, you know, but a plot hound or a pit bull or a husky German Shepherd mix doesn't have that inherent fear. They uh, do not. So that makes it a lot more dangerous animal. And I wanted to just get that said from an, an expert in the behavior part. Um, like you because you've seen both sides of this more with the wolf type animals and then you know with your your own encounter with uh, feral dogs and and your your thing about being encircled and kind of uh, you know they were moving in on you goes back to other reports I had uh, my one of my own situations that happened up in Jasper County years ago and um, just a dangerous situation and people people are so PC these days No one wants to talk about stuff like this. And I want people to be able to, uh, you know, survive in the wild and, you know, be careful. And if it takes putting, uh, you know, a nine millimeter slug in the head of a feral dog to walk out of the wood, that's that's what I'm going to do. That's exactly what it can take. And but the other side of this, Jerry, is I just want you to, to spend a moment just saying one way we can prevent this is to not contribute to the feral dog population.
1: That's right. If they would, if people didn't turn them loose and dump them, they wouldn't be out there. Yep. They didn't yep. want to be out there. They're not geared for out there, and the survival rate, uh, or the mortality rate for them rather, is extremely high. Yep. But But uh, it don't, you know, they all don't, they all don't die. Yep. And some of them make it, and yep. they're gonna, they're gonna survive at all costs. If that means eating you, that means eating you.
0: Yep, And, and the worst thing, time. I want
1: to get this in here, and I know you've said this before, and I want you to continue to reiterate it, yep. is that do not run and yeah. do not go in the woods empty-handed. Yeah, You're just asking for it. There's yep. The woods are different now, just like people are different now. The animals in the woods are different now, just like we are. They have to have to change because of the uh, mm-hmm. encroachment of man mm-hmm. and all their territory is gone, and they're they're pushed into this and uh you know dogs have the ability to uh roll with it wolves don't coyotes they don't care they'll live under your house too mm-hmm. but uh not these dogs and these dogs are you are far far more danger in the woods from a from these dogs than you are from a wolf or a coyote or even a rattlesnake
0: sure and uh if you look statistically in america even bears you know, um,
1: oh my God, they're having bad trouble. I got a friend of mine I almost had to go out to North Carolina and shoot this bear yeah. that was up at, at the Full Moon Farm Sanctuary, had done, got busted in pins, killed two dogs, flipped over a four-wheeler that was parked in front of a door, ripped the door and the side off, eat all the food. And he was there for a month before he finally got him run off. I'm and saying, now there's it, bears everywhere because the Nashville area has just
0: bloomed and there's nowhere yeah. for them to go. Yeah, it's, it's getting interesting, Jerry. You mentioned something important. Maybe we'll have you jump on another show. we talk about how the wild has changed. The landscape's different. The the creatures out there are different in terms of the population dynamics. And, uh, you know, if you look at a lot of the bear attacks in America. A lot of them, or even cougar attacks, it's joggers. Because oh, yeah. they just happened to jog past some cougar laying in the bush or a bear, and it triggered that.
1: That that cougar couldn't help himself when they looked dangling a feather in front of a cat on a
0: string. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, man. Well, I thank you so much for your insight, but just one final thing I want you to say. If you are attacked by feral dogs, whether it's a single, whether it's a group, um, and you don't have a firearm, uh, what do you do? Uh, take, I, I, your, I take your boot that. off,
1: take your belt off, pull your knife out. Don't go running around looking for a stick because you ain't got time to run nowhere. You got to stand your ground yep. and you fight for your life. That's and it. Uh, they're small enough. If you, you kick them or hit them hard enough and be hard enough, they're not used to attacking people. You're yep. probably their first try yep. and uh, you, might, you might get by with it. But uh, whatever you do, do not turn around and run. And the best thing is prevention is the best cure.
0: Yep, 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 yep. We're giving some tips on here on some uh, devices and things that might help you with those animals. Uh, As always say, pray, prepare, and pack, eat. And once again, getting the message across, folks, if you got any kind of dog, whether it's a Yorkie or a Cane of Corso, um, and you can't take care of it anymore, find a rescue. Do whatever you got to do. Do not let it loose in the wild because you're only – going to cause that animal grief. You're going to cause wildlife populations problems, livestock, and maybe human beings. So uh,
1: That's right. And just because you didn't leave it at home and starve to death don't mean you didn't put it in the woods and let it starve to death.
0: All right. I can't end the show better than that. Thank you, Jerry. Appreciate it, brother. If you would like to share your dark outdoor story, email chester at Chestermore.com. If you would like a PDF file of my personal survival tips, put survival in the subject line. Read my wildlife writings and follow my Higher Calling Wildlife and Higher Calling Gulf Coast podcast at highercalling.net. Remember, never enter the wild without prayer and preparation.